Hello. How was your week? <laughs> Good? Um, I was going to make a, a setback joke based on uh, daylight savings time, but it didn't seem appropriate once I got up here, but I kind of just did anyway. So um, I want to just open up this morning. Uh, if you actually have uh, scriptures with you, a Bible with you, if you could go to Proverbs 18, pausing on Vintage Church today. Uh, we got a couple different things we're going to be doing uh, this morning. Uh, there is a message that uh, is on my heart. Um, I want to share with you this morning. Uh, it's a message of hope in the face of uncertainty, in the face of question, uh, where we are as a church, but way more important in the grand scheme of it, where we are with our relationship with Almighty God. So Proverbs 18, um, if you, this would be a good day to take notes. I've got three things uh, I want to share with you today. Um, Proverbs 18 and verses 10, Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3, Hebrews 11. We're going to be kind of bouncing all over the place in this, but follow me. It'll be short, and then we're going to have uh, an opportunity. Um, am I good? Is this on? Um, and then we're going to have an opportunity in the second half of the sermon. I'm going to invite uh, Quint up on his last and final day here at Conduit. Um, and uh, we're going to be doing a little bit of a conversation, interview of what specific uh, things are coming next for him and his family. Uh, I want you to have an opportunity to love on him a bit. Uh, we got some goodies coming at the end of the service. Nobody knows, nobody knows it's coming. Um, and some really good goodies for Quentin and Aaron that are coming that they have no, they have no idea what, what that's about. Um, and just an opportunity for you to be able to pray over uh, their a beautiful and wonderful family as we pray and send them out um, um, today. So, today, when things don't go how you dreamed of them to be, how you envisioned them to be, you're led into a place of uncertainty. A place where you seek refuge in things. Ultimately, our refuge is in Christ. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, simply says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Think about the imagery of that. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Amen? Amen. Hopefully that's where you're at this morning. You're not sure what that running may look like, but you feel it deep in your bones. You feel it based on circumstance. You feel it in your soul. You feel it based on the pursuit of running after the Lord or maybe you feel that need for refuge in Christ and his name because of the decisions that have maybe left you in a desolate um, place of guilt and shame. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. The righteous that run into it are not righteous because of their own righteousness, but because of the righteousness that we have been clothed and covered in by Jesus Christ. When I was... Uh, a young lad, um, early in my marriage, uh, we lived in a, the beautiful uh, Republic of um, Tennessee, and uh, in this great cultural um, epicenter of amazing things, uh, my wife and I decided to go on a trip um, down to where we went to uh, Bible College down in the panhandle of Florida. And on our way back um, on this trip, we experienced some really bad weather. In fact, we had stopped. It, at this point, it was dark. It was, it was nighttime. Um, we had pulled over to a gas station to get some gas. And you could just, you, you know when like a major storm is coming, you can just feel it? Um, you can just, the sense of like anxiety and urgent, urgency is inside of you. And we're in the gas station. And it's like, they're talking about it. They're talking about, oh, it's coming down I-95. Like all these like, these interstates, I have no idea what they are. I just know that we have a map and we're going the direction on our way home back to Tennessee. 
And I'll never forget, we're on this country road, and it just got really bad. Really bad. Like, so much so you couldn't see the road in front of you. I literally, I, I remember in my mind, just barely seeing uh, uh, taillights, two red dots. And then it got so windy and so scary and so loud that I had a feeling, and I think we were pretty certain that we were literally at the beginning or in the middle of a tornado. It was, it was terrifying. And I grew up in southern Illinois in the St. Louis area, and tornadoes were common, and, and it was just a part of it. You had tornado sirens, which here are the tornadoes, or the, the, what were tornado sirens for us in southern Illinois. Here are the same exact sirens that go off when there's like the, the volunteer firemen. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? You know the sirens? And like the first five, ten years that I lived here, every time I heard those, I was like, oh my goodness, there's a tornado. And I would always like wonder, like, what is that about? It's so confusing. They need to work that out because that's <laughs> sending the wrong signal. Uh, but nonetheless, we're in the middle of this storm and the headlight or the taillights that I was following actually went off of the road purposefully. Down, like there was clearly a ditch. And then I'm like, I'm jumping in like, like rescue mode. Like, all right, we got to get, we got to get down in the ditch. This is, this is the real deal. And then all of a sudden, the car that I was following decides to, to go a little bit further ahead. And then they made a sharp left turn. And he made this sharp left turn right into this church, small church parking lot, somewhere in the middle of Mississippi. And we pulled in and we noticed that there was four or five other cars that you could barely see, but you could just see lights and blur and it was just so chaotic and so loud. And as we pull into this parking lot, we all got out of the car because this was like, this is like, this is really happening. This is so intense. And we sought to, to get refuge in this church. Now, obviously, it's late at night. No one's in the church. All the doors are locked. And so, like, uh, trying to take matters in my own hand, we're literally, we're like pressed up against the side of the church, all outside, probably, I don't know, six, eight people. And we're just like, we have to get in this place. We have to find refuge. And so I go to my car and I grab, um, my wife's already shaking her head because she still like gives me a hard time about this move, all right? Men in the room, you will understand this because you want to protect the women, right? But looking back, it was so not wise at all. I grabbed a tire iron and I walk up to this church door. And at the time, I'm a youth pastor in, up in Tennessee, so I feel like I have this like, it's okay. It's just a window. The Lord will provide. Like, and so I literally take this tie rod and I go to break this door, this door's window so that I can reach in, unlock it, and we can be in, in a place of refuge. And as I break it, I literally, it like flew out of my hands, so irresponsible. <laughs> and the tie rod literally broke the window and goes ding, 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 like inside of the church. But I'm like, all right, what's done is done. We got to have refuge, right? And as soon as that happened, there was this feeling of like, oh, why did I do that kind of feeling? And I almost feel like at that very same moment, the storm began to like, quiet. <laughs> and here I am, I'm like, who's with me? <laughs> like, you know, people are like in their car, like getting in their car. Like I reach in, I reach in and the, through the broken glass to unlock. And it was a, it wasn't a, a, a deadbolt where you can turn it. It was a key on both sides. Yeah, that. <laughs> that. <laughs> so, Slowly, <laughs> got in the car. Zoom. No, uh, there's a second half of that story that's got nothing to do with this, but I made that right. But um, the very place that we sought refuge, we could not access. The very place that we sought refuge we could not access and if you're like me you've sought refuge in things that you can't access you've sought refuge in things that are temporal things that are right things that are wrong things that are healthy things that are unhealthy it's natural for us in the in a moment of uncertainty it's in the moment of the storm in the moment of confusion, in the moment of angst, in the moment of anger, in the moment of, I'm not sure what to do right now. There's this, there's this amazing opportunity to seek refuge. And so many of us sometimes 
find and seek refuge in things that we cannot access. But I'm here to tell you today that the thing that will truly be our refuge is the name of the Lord. And when you seek refuge in the Lord, that door will never, ever, ever be locked. You will never be left with this feeling of like, what did I do? You will be left in a place of refuge. You will seek shelter in that time of storm. In the midst of uncertainty, he is always present, always available, always in a place that you can access him. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3 says, God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. Selah. That word means to stop, pause, and consider that. Yes, the storm rages. The mountains moved into the heart of the sea, but God being our refuge, he is our strength and our very present help in time of need. Three things. Number one, I've been saving this one. So, earlier in the year, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me about something, and I think I shared it with, like, probably my wife and maybe a few other people. Um, but I, I felt like this year had something significant in that, and I thought it was for sure personal, but I feel like today this is for us. Um, I'll put it this way. This is the first thing. Our greatest desire for us is certainty. Our greatest desire for us is certainty. We seek certainty every day of our lives. We seek moments of comfort so that it promises us certainty. I'm not sure how tomorrow will go, but for today and right now, I will be certain in this moment, in this thing. And sometimes certainty in those areas aren't always bad. Sometimes they're comfort that we seek, security that we seek. But the very thing, the very like oxygen that we seek to breathe as human beings is certainty. Our greatest desire for us is certainty. But, check this out. God's greatest desire for us is uncertainty. God's greatest desire for us is uncertainty. Because it's in uncertainty that we are at a place of confessing our need for him. It's in a place of uncertainty where we need to find refuge in him. It's in that place of uncertainty is where we diligently seek him and find him and experience him and drastically, drastically change our lives based on our need for him. Uncertainty, it's not that, that he's just some sick God that, that, that like desires us to be like insecure, this like uncertain place. But he does know what happens when life and circumstance and our choices and the things that come our way and the things that happen to our church and the things that happen to our family and our home, those moments of uncertainty, like we're freaking out because all we ever want is certainty, but God's greatest desire is uncertainty, so he's not freaking out. So that he's, his name and the name of the Lord can be a refuge. He's waiting. The doors are open, ready to hear you in prayer, ready to be with you in his presence, ready to speak to you through his word, ready to use you through the power of the Holy Spirit, ready to comfort you in your pain, ready to heal you in your infirmaries, infirmities. Amen? You guys with me? How was your week? Um, the very place that we seek certainty is also the very place that he brings at times 
uncertainty. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it's impossible. We have this thing, in, like I find with, um, especially my, my kids, it's like, a, it's like a trap. Like you say something's impossible, and they're like, no, it's not! With God, anything's, anything's possible, right? And, and, and I'm sure your kids do the very same thing because they can't, they can't decide, they can't discern, they can't wiggle or twist their way around the truth. They know the truth, and you know what? They're right, but that follows faith. What's possible only follows faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we were here a couple, two weeks ago, and I, and I kind of just used the analogy of these stairs about those that were um, believers, those that were new believers, and those um, that were not believers yet. Um, but in this process, in this moment, there's this opportunity to understand that like, because of our faith in him, it's the faith of a mustard seed. It's, it's great faith. It's huge faith. But it shows up in tangible, small ways. And God uses that to do great things in the moments of uncertainty. So my question to you, my question to you is, what in your life right now is extremely uncertain? Extremely uncertain. Think about it. Could it, could it be that the very thing that is brought to your mind right now that seems uncertain, that has brought anxiety, and fear, and pain, and stress, and worry, or, or maybe it's the very uncertain thing in your life that has brought you to a place of working harder to compensate, trying harder, planning harder, could it be that the very place of uncertainty that you live in right now, that we as a church are in right now, could it be that that's the very place that God is inviting us into to experience him? The awesome thing about us in the analogy of running into refuge and running into the tower, the strong tower that is the Lord's name, there's this imagery of us running to it. When in reality, because of Christ, he's come to our house. In his grace, in his mercy, he's come to us. Emmanuel, God with us. Um, can I just give you a couple examples? We have about eight minutes. I want to give you a couple examples of how um, in Scripture, God used uncertain moments or uncertainty to bring about miracles, to communicate the gospel, to, to line out clearly what we're supposed to do and the, the fathers of faith that we're supposed to follow. Think about it from this angle. Just, just, just like, think about this. Noah. Moses. David, the disciples, Paul, Jesus. Just think about their examples. The second thing I wanted to uh, point out was that sometimes God is more of a rescuer than a preventer. Now this flies in the face of American Christianity. God, give me a safe trip. God, help this meal to taste good. God, help it just to work out. Does God give us a safe trip? Yes. Does God give us good meals? Yes. Does God work it out? Every time. But that's not the point. Our comfort is not the point. Certainty is not the point. Faith is the point. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. God is more of a rescuer than a preventer. God is more of a rescuer than a preventer. Noah. Think about Noah. 
He built an ark. It had never rained before. Ever. Water came from the ground, as it does in things like dew or in different areas. Like, they were, they were familiar with water and how water replenished the earth. But it, up until that point, it had never rained. And God says it's going to rain so hard, you're going to need to build a boat. So God could have, if God was a preventer rather than a rescuer, God would have just sent him to a spot on the earth that was really dry. Hey, Noah, just want to let you know, uh, it's going to get really wet. So like, there's this place, if you just go 80 miles east and then go straight north, look for the barking dog in the corner, and then take a right, you're going to be at a spot that's dry, you're going to be safe, tell the animals to go there, and you're good. I want to prevent all of this from happening. No! God allowed, the, I mean, there's nothing more uncertain than the entire world, the entire earth being covered in water. Nothing more uncertain than that. But God brought certainty through a boat. God brought certainty through a man's faith. God brought an, our entire, like, reset of humanity through that man's trust and the certainty and the faith of what God had communicated to him. Moses. Moses. Moses didn't necessarily get prevented from trouble. In fact, the whole story of the Israelites, the whole story of the gospel is that we were rescued, not necessarily prevented from it. Because if God prevents something, man, all of a sudden the credit is really easy for us to take credit for because of our wise decisions. And we didn't get in this mess or we chose to go that dry place so it didn't get rained on. Like, and rather than God, I need you. And praising God for his um, provision and for everything he brings our way to rescue us out of the situation. They do say that at the other side, when Moses crossed the Red Sea with all the Israelites, after they were released from bondage, uh, they had said that on the other, once they got through the Red Sea, that they praised God. And I heard it say that they actually praised God on the wrong side of the Red Sea. Yes, praise God. He delivered us. He split the Red Sea, and he delivered us, and he rescued us. Thank you, God. Thank you for doing that. But how many of us praise God there, but we don't praise God right before the sea is between us and freedom? You see, if God was a preventer, about a hundred years earlier, he would have built a great bridge for them. But God isn't always a pre preventer. God is a rescuer. And God rescued them as he split the sea for Moses. David. Woo, David. I love this story because David goes up against Goliath. Now, if God was a preventer, what would have happened? And Goliath's like, send me one man who will fight me, and we will serve you. But if somebody, if I beat them, then you will serve us. And there's so many other implications in that. I'm paraphrasing. Sunday school version, right? If God was a preventer, David would have stood up, and this is actually the things that David said. David's like, I <laughs> will feed your body to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And you know what he actually did after he killed Goliath? This is like uh, crazy, but we leave this out in uh, like the bedtime stories with our kids. But like he killed Goliath on the rock in his, uh, his, his forehead, but he cut his head off. He held his head, which was probably half the size of David, and held it up. And the entire Israelite army was like, ah! And they followed, and they, and they, they followed, and they conquered the Philistines. Now, I know that's like a little bit like, that wasn't very nice kind of perspective. It's 2017. I get that. But there's a greater purpose we won't get into. But in all of that, David, one of the things he communicated to Goliath was this. <laughs> he looked at the past of what God had already done. And it applied to the uncertain situation because of how God certainly delivered him in the past. David's perspective was this. I, he was a shepherd. He's like, I have fought off a bear and a lion. In fact, I rescued a, uh, one of my sheep from the lion's mouth. And this Philistine will be no match for me and my God. Ah, I love it. It's so good. Like, are you serious? Like, I don't even know how to use a slingshot or a sword, but I'm in after that, right? Like, the certainty that he brings isn't like, look how tough I am. He says, look how tough my God is. Look how 
great my Lord is. And he has done this in the past. And you punk Philistine will be nothing for me. If it was a preventer, then the moment that David showed up to the battle, Goliath would have somehow shrunk to an Oompa Loompa. Like if that was the issue, if he was a preventer, that would have happened. But it didn't. It didn't. In fact, Goliath gloated the more how strong and big he was. You see, in the midst of uncertainty, God brings certainty through our faith and trust and refuge in him. The disciples, are you serious? They're like the most B team, like they didn't make the cut. Talk about like awkward teen boys like in the perspective of like God used them and chose them to change the world. Could there be a more uncertain situation? Like God with skin came to the earth and they killed him. Like they had to have the courage to rise up and believe that three days he would rise. They had to believe in an uncertain situation that, he, that they, God was going to use them. And he was going to send the Holy Spirit to dwell inside them. And with absolute power, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and the power that came upon them changed the world, that flipped the world upside down. Because it's just a dozen minus one teenage boys. Paul. It's because of the thorn in his flesh. It's because of the really bad mistakes he made before coming to Christ that actually propelled him to certain ministry impact. So I don't think that sometimes in our current situation in our life or church that God is always a preventer. A lot of times he is. A lot of times he is, and we pray into that. I'm not belittling that, but I think that sometimes we think that because God didn't prevent something, that God didn't show up. Or we think that, oh, God, how did you let that happen? I cannot believe, like, I prayed, and you let that happen, and I saw it coming. I even told you about it, and like, you did. It's like almost as if you weren't there. He was there. He was there. He was present. He is active. He went through it just like you and I go through it. Remember, he lives inside of us. So on our tough days, those tough moments of life, that things that are get handed to us, God's like, oh, that's rough. I'm off today. Like, I'm good. No, God is present with you. Emmanuel. Jesus said it's better that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's better that he's there than having Jesus here himself as a rescuer. Um, finally, We, um, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus faced uncertainty. He's alone on a cross. He came to save the world, and here he's on a cruise. Like, for us, it's, it's, it's easy for us to look at the cross and know what that means. But in the moment when that happened, that, that, was the, that was the electrocution chair of the day. And here he is, abandoned, alone. His father even turned his back on him because of the sin that was placed on his shoulders, your sin and mine, not his own sin. But yet in that uncertain moment, he pressed in and he had faith to trust the process of what God was doing. My invitation to us as a church in this very moment of uncertainty, of question, um, of confusion, I can look you in the eye and tell you I believe with all of my heart God is in control. And I can tell you that <laughs> Like, um, it'd be an understatement to say that we're going to be okay. And it would be, it would not give God the credit for us to hang our heads or be discouraged. Because, you know, you know what's easy in these moments? Because we've all faced disappointment. And we've all been in those uncertain moments in our lives. Follow me for a second. We've all been in those uncertain 
moments in our life where like the uncertainty turned to like tragedy. So I'm, I'm not saying that it all just gets better. I, I, don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the case for each one of our lives, but I do know, I do know that for this place and these walls and this body that's called conduit, it's going to be amazing what the Lord is going to do. It's going to be amazing. And I'm asking you as a church to lean into that. I'm asking you to trust the Lord and not man in that. I'm asking you to run to him for refuge and not some building or not some comfort or not some thing that a pastor or another pastor or any of the staff could say. The big, one of the biggest believers in the future of this church one of the biggest believers in it is that guy back there in the blue. And some of you are like, well, why is he leaving us then, right? There's this big, huge heart that he even has on his last day that he wants to even offer to you of hope, of courage, of strength, of the reality of today and the reality of this moment. And no matter where we're at as a church, we have an opportunity to run to the name of the Lord because he is a, a strong tower. And if you're righteous because of Christ's righteousness, if you have been, uh, you've, you've been in a place of, of being a believer or a new believer or you're not a believer yet, <laughs> let today be that day. Let today be that day. Let, that, let today be the day that you literally stop just a simple faith and ask Christ to save you. That same Jesus that same God that made a way for all those people. And, I mean, we could be here for hours <clears throat> talking about, just in Scripture, the people that have been delivered from uncertain situations because of their certain faith in a God who never changes. Jesus who never changes. We could be here forever. But here's the other thing, is I know that we could read the Scriptures and hear those stories about those people that believed in great in certain faith in a God who never changes. But I also think that we could be here in hearing your stories of your life, of how uncertainty has come in your life, whether recently or in your past, and is in that space of uncertainty that you naturally confessed your need for Christ. If you're not certain where you'll spend eternity when you die, our invitation is for you to receive Christ because that door will never be locked. He's come for you. He's met you. He's alive. He wants to come into your life. If you'd let him, if you'd ask him, Holy Spirit wants to fill you and give you power and strength for a new day, a new time. Amen? And we'd love We'd love to speak with you about that. Love to have a conversation with you about that. Pastor Cameron would love to do that with you as well. So we, we're here at the end of the service to walk you through that. If you have any of those questions, um, both current situations um, or about where you're at in your walk with the Lord, we're here. That's literally actually why we're here. Um, so today uh, I want to pray and I want to transition a bit, and I'm going to have uh, Quint come up, and we're going to talk a little bit about what this transition looks like next for them and their family, okay? So would you pray with me? God, I, I know that um, to some, th this, this has different meanings, that, that you are um, present and active in all our circumstance and all of our emotion of the reality of our life and our day and our relationships and our jobs and our church. Father, so I invite you right now um, and just point out the obvious that you're not only present, but you're active in the lives of your people. And so I just I pray over the body this morning that they would allow you to speak into the uncertainty of their life and may they have just a sense of, of seeking you, running after you, running into the strong tower <laughs> because they'll be safe. They'll find refuge. Praise you for that. We ask for your help in that. 
and be with us through the rest of this moment. Even, uh, God, I thank you so much for Quint and just um, all that he's done for this ministry, um, for me personally, um, for this body. And we just, we want to take this moment to be not just excited for, for their family, but to hear about it. And that we want to cheer them on. We want to be in a place of, of praying over them. So just bless this time now. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, man. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Good. So Ellen and I are in what we're calling a robot off, whoever cries first loses. So I'm going to do my best to be the bigger robot and not cry today. You know, you get it? Like robots don't have a heart or emotions. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I think it's on. No? doesn't sound on. Check one, two, three. Maybe turn up the mains a little bit. Oh. All right. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm good. Um, I was going to wear something completely inappropriate, like a beer helmet or something, because I can't get fired. But <laughs> then I heard there was, like, nice things to be said, and I didn't want to ruin it, so. You're supposed to think that and not say that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so we are, we wanted to hear a little bit about what's next for you guys. Um, uh, obviously, you walked through a little bit of your journey um, coming, merging on the Conduit um, just a few years ago. Probably seems like 25 years ago. Um, but it's been a fun journey, um, three and a half years. So what are you excited about in your new position? Where are you going? For the some, people that maybe haven't been here the last uh, several weeks, <laughs> you, you've, you've missed some stuff. Um, <laughs> Welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. We're glad you're here. Uh, um, so tell us a little bit about this process, about your new position, um, what this looks like from now, um, the next few weeks, that kind of thing. All right, check one, two. Is that better? Who clips their mic to their mic stand? Who does that? Okay, so um, we are going to a church in Erie called Erie First Assembly. Uh, You might know where that is when you drive down I-90. If you go over Peach Street, uh, it's the big church there on the left. They have a school, and um, in their heyday, they were on Erie Television and all this crazy stuff. But about a year ago, they, they got a new lead pastor, and so they're, they're in a kind of a leadership transition. They're bringing in a lot of fresh vision and stuff. And so I'm excited to, um, to be a part of that. And they honestly asked me in July to come in and speak to their worship team uh, just to encourage them because they knew they were going to be losing their worship leader. And um, that just turned into more and it turned into eventually to a job offer and so um, they didn't steal me I promise um, I initiated the conversation because of some stuff God was stirring up in my heart in Aaron's heart um, that we just felt like a shift was coming a change was needed um, and so we just kind of ran at it as much as it felt uncertain like Pastor Corey just talked about and it felt like I always felt like the safest thing to do I don't mean this in any way other than an awesome way. Like, I've had full creative control here. I mean, I invented conduit sessions, and I've been allowed to just, like, do what we want. And all the songs we sang this morning, we wrote, and we've probably written 20 songs. And, like, we, I, it, this is an awesome, awesome gig, and I'm so grateful for it. So it was hard to even consider leaving because I love these people, and I love what I get to do and what I get to call work. Um, but I also knew that growth for me and my family was on the other side of my comfort zone and was on the other, like, this is gonna stretch me out of my mind, uh, but I'm excited for that, and, and I think it's, I honestly think uh, it's the right move for us. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll be the worship and family pastor is my title, and I'll oversee all the kids' ministry and all the, um, all the worship initiatives, so. Cool. Um, obviously, <clears throat> you guys uh, that are Come to Conduit, our friends of, of Conduit, love the Lynn Blads. Um, is that me? Yeah, hold it back. 
It keeps wanting to like wiggle away from my beard, I think. Way back. How's that? Is that better? That's better. Okay. All right. Um, obviously, uh, you have a lot of friends here yeah. that you've made mm -hmm. um, that love you, even your open house um, that loves you. What does that mean? Huh? Even my open house? Like even they, they shouldn't? Well, I guess we're about to find out. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> oh, snap. See, and Ellen's leading the charge, trying to get me to cry. I see you working. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hi, open house. Oh, snap. I'm good. I'm good. Do you need them? <laughs> yeah, we're pregnant again. You all knew that, right? Vinny, this is the best part. Vinny knew that because I told him when he was in the hospital, but he didn't remember because all the drugs he was on. So he told me this morning... Wait, she's pregnant. I said, Vinny, we talked about this in your, ho in your hospital room. And he's like, I don't remember. So. All y'all moms that have uh, diaper bags, if you got loose diapers, you can bring those up. Oh, jeez. <laughs> ruthless. Ruthless. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, That's amazing. So Quint's got some kids. You guys know that? <laughs> uh, if you guys want to, side note, if you guys actually do want to contribute to this uh, diaper drive <laughs> uh i would just say bring him sometime this week or next sunday we'll make sure he gets them um i think it would really awesome. bless their family if you have babies um uh, you know that uh that's like a mortgage uh to pay for that many diapers yeah um so if you'd like to participate in that honestly like just bring them this week yeah uh we'll be here or next sunday just bring them we'll make sure they get to the right place um <laughs> so what are we supposed to do with the donuts? Yeah. I like. Are are they just like? They're Display. they're just they're fake. Okay. <laughs> so after the service, people come up and grab some donuts. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, I'll get to that actually in a minute. Um, hurry. <laughs> <laughs> What are you feeling about Conduit as you go? Um, right. Obviously, your, your involvement wasn't just getting up and singing. singing. Right. It was a lot of different things. But like, what is your uh, words of encouragement? I know that was really heavy on your heart yeah. um, to share. Yeah, I really do. Um, I might lose this robot off here in a second. Um, I truly believe Conduit's best days are ahead. And I'm so excited for Conduit. I'm so excited for Conduit worship. Um, I fully believe in Bryce and his leadership, and he's going to, you know, spearhead keeping things rolling like they don't miss a beat, which he did when I was gone for a couple weeks uh, for vacation. And I, but the whole band is in just such a great spot, and and I love that. I mean, my goal is never to be, never has been to be the the spotlight or the the center guy. I love um, building people up and lifting them up to operate in their strengths. Um, and I I say it all the time. I'm not. That is my strength. Like that, that's what I'm, I'm pretty good at, is giving people a place to, to do what they're good at. So um, I have a ton to learn musically, but I love leading and, and lifting up others. So uh, as far as conduit in general, though, I'm just excited for, for where these guys are excited to take you. And I just totally believe in Corey and Cameron and Katie and what they're doing and um, just all the all of what's ahead is going to be awesome. And really, my encouragement to you is to just lean in, lean in, and help make it happen. Because they need you, and you need to do that. You need to lean in. Because that's where your dreams will be fulfilled. That's where your purpose will be found, is in serving other people in the church. So, um, I think a great way to do that would be this Thursday night at 7 p.m., for the November worship night. I think that'd be awesome. I won't be here, but if I went to church here, I would be here, all right? Um, even if I didn't work here, if I went to church here, I would be here. I think it's that important. I've always say, I believe worship is your way out. Just like he was saying this morning, when you're facing something, your way out of it is worship because you recenter your life 
on the one who should be at the center. And it's not your trouble. It's not your trial. It's not your worry. It doesn't mean it's not real. But worship is your way to refocus and put the proper perspective on that thing. And you realize how great your God is and the fact that he will overcome it, that he will perfect what concerns you, as he says in Psalms. So, um, <clears throat> I was just sitting here thinking of all the um, <laughs> conduit sayings that you've come up with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some are appropriate for this moment, some aren't. But uh, whatever, I can't get fired. I, <laughs> I think I think I would say about Quint specifically is that <clears throat> you know seeing him every day and when you're when a, when a situation seems confusing, <laughs> Quint has a way of just like calling you out. This is what it is. This is what we need to do. This is what that is. This is the step to take. And I think, uh, I have a feeling Quint has done that in your life as well. Sometimes encouragement isn't always just a hand on your back saying, I'm here. Sometimes, in Quint's case, it's a it's a, a hand to the back of the head, like, bro, get with it, you know? Um, that's called emotional detachment disorder. Is what that's <laughs> so I would encourage you guys. Um, do, you have, do you have more you want to share? I do. Okay. Um, so this is what I want to share. I was talking to a friend of mine, um, I don't remember, last week or whatever, and we're doing this. Um, while I've been here, I've had the chance to write two books, and right now we're running a promotion on the second one. I'm giving all the profits to my, my best friend from high school who's adopting a child. And um, he's messaging Mark Batterson, and he lives down in, in the D.C. area, and he's just reaching to all these people, which I think is awesome. He's a grinder. He's like super high motor, run all the time. Um, but I just told him, like, bro, you got to trust way more than you're willing to try. It's great to try. But make sure you're trusting more than you're trying. Don't put this on your shoulders. Let God bring the book sales. Let God bring the connections. Don't show up at Ebenezer's Coffee House and demand to see Mark Batterson uh, because you're putting it on you, and that's not what God wants to do. He wants to open the doors. And then two days later, he ended up in the office with a different pastor who has a nationally syndicated radio show, and he wants to talk about it. So, like, I told you. Um, (laughs) But this is what I mean by trust more than you try. I wrote down three things that I think, because people ask me all the time about taking Jesus, taking this Christianity thing, and putting it into your everyday, ordinary life. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, um, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. These would be the three things I encourage you to do. These are the three things I've done before, and this might scare you because you might be like, does that mean I'm going to end up in ministry? Before I ever ended up in ministry, this is how I lived. Doesn't mean that if you do these three things, God's going to do that for you, and in some ways I hope he doesn't, and in some ways I hope he does. Um, But these are the three things. One, live in his will. What is his will? His will is that you would obey the things he's told you to do in his word. Well, how do you know that? You read his word. That's how, okay? So you get in his word, and you find out what he wants you to do. Love others, uh, put others first, serve others, just the simple things like that. Uh, Flee temptation, run to righteousness, those types of things. So you get in his word, and you find out what that is, and you purpose every single day with the Holy Spirit working inside of you to live in his will. The second thing is that you live to honor him. That's just stewardship. I've never, I don't write books, I don't write songs, I don't do any of that stuff for accolades. I do it because it's what I've got to give him. And he's given me the drive to do it and the excitement to do it and the willingness to sit at my computer for 10 hours editing, and so I do it. And so I, I haven't sent him out to publishers, and I, have, I, I just trust him more than I try, right? Just like I told my friend. And so my encouragement to you, live to honor him. Just steward what you've got. And if what you've got is serving in conduit kids, serving in nursery, money, whatever it is, just do it to honor him, and he'll bless that. Okay, And then the third thing is live to love others. When you're doing those first two things well, the automatic overflow is you just love other people. You love them how you're supposed to love them. The Bible says, oh, no man but to love him. And so 
that would be my encouragement to every person. And when this church does that, all bets are off. This city will never look the same. I don't have to be here for that to happen. You doing these three things, you leaning in and giving God your everyday, ordinary life will blow the doors open on this place and will push back all the darkness with his light. I truly believe that. That's the only thing holding it back. It's not personnel. It's not people. It's not the right song that gets on the radio. It's none of that. It's every person in this room purposing tomorrow when they wake up to take their everyday ordinary life, whatever they do, and place it before him as an offering. So that is my encouragement to this church as I go. And it will be my encouragement to my new church that I start at tomorrow morning. Because that's my encouragement to every believer, okay, is that that would be what they do. When you do that, you will not recognize your life one year from today. I believe that. Y'all told, better be taking some notes. Today. Told you I could have preached. Cameron said, Cameron said, nah, man, you can't preach because you don't have a filter because it's my last day. But that was pretty good, right? Come on. That was good. That was good. All right. That's what uh, I got. What are you going to miss most about Conduit? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> Jake felt. Jake felt. For mayor, if you live in Celeron and don't vote for Jake Felt, you are not, you are not placing your everyday ordinary life before the Father as an offering. Okay. All right, we're not allowed to endorse political candidates, are we? Cut his mic. Sorry. Oops. Um, all right, what am I going to miss most? Honestly, just everything. I love coming in here, stepping back, letting the church just take over worship. Um, Aaron pointed out to me, Honestly, the only time I almost cried was when I looked at her today. So I won't look at her. <laughs> um, the first day I was here, this place was jam-packed. It was Easter Sunday. She was the only person who lifted her hand in worship. Because there just wasn't a worship culture here. And that's not a knock to anybody. It was just, that's why I was brought in, was to help build a worship culture. And then a couple weeks ago, I let the band lead, and I was helping out in the sound booth. And like 85%, I'm not calling out you other 15%, but almost everybody had their hands in the air. And she texted me and she's like, mission accomplished. You did what you were asked to do when you came here. And my heart has always just been to build a worshipful church. When Curtis Parks came July 30th of this year, he told me in the hallway, like, don't tell Kingdom Bound, but this was so much more fun than Kingdom Bound. He's like, you have, don't tell Kingdom Bound. He said, you have a singing church. And that was so affirming from a dude who's played stages all over the world and sung with thousands and thousands of people. And he comes in here and he loved every second of it. And so obviously I'm going to miss that, but I'm really proud of that. I'm really, really proud um, to, you know, to leave that legacy. And I would just say don't stop because it wasn't me. It wasn't because of me, right? All I did was create a space. Just like I tried to create a space up here, I just created a space for you guys and you have risen to it. So... Um, and then, of course, I'll miss working with you, miss working with Cameron, miss, uh, miss, miss working with Katie and just all the craziness and um, being in charge of bounce houses and being in charge of just all the random things that don't fall under. That. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> all the things that don't fall under worship that I got the chance to do, um, but they were awesome. And, yeah. and it's been so fun and so good. And so I've learned so stinking much. I can't even. Yeah. I got no words. When, when the Lindblads came to Conduit uh, three and a half years ago, um, it was at a unique point in the ministry to, as we were building things and trying to uh, establish things, not just short term, but for long term. Um, and it looks like she walked out of the room. I wanted her to hear this. So is Aaron right there? Um, She's probably weeping in the hall. Okay. She'll be back. Tell her to get out of the mother's room. Um, they came at a spot where it, 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 it wasn't just, oh, yeah, we need a guy to do that, or we need someone to do that. They came in and invested their life, um, their family, um, which was much smaller then. <laughs> Uh, but Aaron specifically, if you guys are, are newer to Conduit, maybe you didn't know this, but, but for a very long season, uh, Aaron uh, established and built a, a great Conduit Kids program. And so if you have kids 
here that get loved on every Sunday, um, and you, it's easy for you to just, and, and I'm with you, we just like check them in, and we get those sit in our pew, right? Uh, part of that, a huge part of that was Erin um, and the hard work that she put in to establishing that and making it excellent um, and, and letting that just be in an amazing place. And so um, when we get ready to pray over them um, and you guys have an opportunity to get some donuts here in a second um, and you hug their neck, would you just thank them both for all that they've done, um, all that they sacrificed? Um, no wife of a pastor is exempt from a very busy church life, even if they're not on staff. And that is certainly the, uh, not an exception either with Aaron. Um, their family has given so much um, to this church, to this ministry, to you. And so we want to have the opportunity to now uh, pray over them and, um, and just lay hands on them as a family. I know there's been a lot of that um, lately. Uh, as far as praying over people, but now is the most appropriate time for you as a church to be able to pray over them, okay? So let's do that. Cool. And then we are going to sing one song at the end because I want to leave on a high note, so don't run out of here, all right? So let's, let's kind of gather in the middle and pray over them and then back to your seat. We'll sing one more song. Make a make a space for Aaron to get up through here. Maybe after after we pray, can you help me grab a few boxes of these and we put them on the countertop and the. Yep. If you, uh, if you can't reach them, you can always extend a hand. Uh, you can reach someone ahead of you and make a chain of connection to. <laughs> Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Clint and Aaron and the kids here. And we pray, Lord, um, we pray, Lord, your greatest <laughs> blessing over each and every one of them. Here comes. Here comes. Here. Um, Lord, we thank you for their work among us. Lord, there's, there's an uncertainty of words right now, Father. Um, an uncertainty of emotion. And uh, we've seen... Lord, you've blessed us with the opportunity to see their family grow. Lord, both in number, but also in righteousness, in stature, in influence, Lord, in gifting. Lord, we want to say thank you. Thank you for the gift that has been Quint and Aaron. The gift that has been uh, AC and Preston and Charlie. Uh, the gift of... of seeing a, a legacy of faith passed on uh, to their children. Lord, we thank you for the gifts of worship and uh, administration and children's ministry and um, all that's been recounted uh, this morning. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done in your church through the Lindblads. And Conduit will forever um, thank and be blessed uh, because of their service. Uh, but Lord, we know that you're not done with them. Lord, that you have barely even started. And so Lord, we pray that you would multiply, that you would increase, Lord, that you would expand their effectiveness uh, in the kingdom. Lord, that as they go to Erie First, um, that, that Erie First would know what they have that Erie First would, would, um, would lean into and press into what you do through them. Lord, we pray that um, thousands and thousands in Erie and beyond would come to worship 
at Erie First. That um, children might come to know Jesus at Erie First, Lord. That uh, the Lindblads would be blessed, Lord, in their home, uh, in their finances, Lord, in their, in their family, Lord, in their influence. We pray, Lord, for uh, yield and bring it and the next book as well, Lord. That they, would, um, that they would continue to be tools that you use uh, to bless others and to expand your kingdom. Father, we thank you so much for the time that the Lindblads have had here at Conduit. And pray, Lord, that as they move on to the next place, that we might, we might cheer them on in, uh, in faithful anticipation of what you will do in that next place. In Jesus' name, amen.